So this is weird. Um, for the first time in seven years, eight years, I have to think about having headphones on my hair. Oh, because I've never changed my hair before. Yeah, which is it's freaking weird. I don't know. Big I don't know change. how much I like it. Big changes. It is, it is big changes. This is monumental changes. But yeah, uh, I think we're just gonna have to get in right into the questions, Martin, because the only thing I can think about at the moment is playing Zelda. Yeah, we're interrupting our Zelda right now to give you these answers. It's so. true. You have no clue, dear audience, how badly I want to just like put the business on pause for like, I don't see. Here's the thing. If it were a game where I could reasonably expect to finish it in like a week, I would consider maybe yeah, taking a week off because I be almost like, you're going to be a third of the way through it in a week. Yeah. I never play video games like this one. I just play Overwatch for a couple, you know, couple matches a night or something, but I've never gotten into a game. Well, not never, but it's been years since I've gotten into a game like this where I'll start playing and play for hours. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've probably put 25 hours in over the weekend and the past couple of days after that. And I'm like, I don't know how far I am, but it's not far. Yeah, (laughs) it's not far. It's definitely not even halfway. And, um, gosh, this game, like it explore, it it rewards exploration so much that I feel compelled to actually go do all the side quests and everything actually. Uh, and by the way, before anyone turns this off, we're not going to spoil anything about this in this little pre episode chit chat. Yeah. Uh, but spoiled it. It's good. Yeah. Spoilers. It's good. 12 out of 10. Yeah. 13.5 out of 10. (laughs) Uh, one person was, he wrote an article on Forbes um, I think the title was something like why Zelda Breath of the Wild, like reprogrammed my brain when it comes to open world games, because he was saying like all these other open world games he'd played, they're all so focused on completion percentage and collecting, you know, 10 out of 10 things or clearing all these areas or like clearing all these things off the map, like all the Ubisoft games, Assassin's Creed, all that stuff. Um, oh, yeah. And then, you know, he's, he's, he's I'm playing Zelda and like. I'll look over and there's a thing over there and you know, there's not really a numbery reward for me doing that thing. It might even be, you know, disadvantageous for me to do that thing logically, but I just want to do it because it's fun. And I've been noticing the same thing. I'm just like, yeah, I I don't really need to go do that, but I want to just for the fun of doing it. Yeah. You're not just like, look, a hidden feather or Mm -hmm. something like that's from one of the Assassin's Creed, I think. Yeah, I think so. From one of the old ones. Yeah, really the only thing I liked doing side quest wise in the old Assassin's Creeds was like in two, I really liked finding those glitches to do the puzzles that related to like all the lore and conspiracy theories and oh, stuff. Yeah. That was fun. But like the rest of like collecting whatever I didn't care oh, about you at know what? all. You know what? They were putting the over justification effect on their open world stuff. That's true. Yep. I said this one doesn't give me rewards. The reward has to be intrinsic. Yeah. And it really is like I think they really nailed like the it's about the adventure. It's about being in the moment kind of thing. And uh, I commend them for that. Good job, Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, this is dangerous <laughs> territory, so we should start thinking about <laughs> questions. OK, so first first things first. What is this? Episode 152? I don't know anymore. Looking yes. at my publishing schedule here. Yes, this is going out March 27th. So, dear listener, as you listen to this, yeah, we will be driving to to our new home in Denver because that's the day, right? March 27th? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So, yep. I mean, if you listen, if you happen to We're be currently one of the, on a really long drive. Yeah. If you happen to be one of those cool people who actually listens on the day of launch, which is about half of you within the first week, I'd say probably about a third of the people. Oh, yeah. Because episodes are like getting up near, I think, like 15K. Cool. Typically, you know, and like 5K, I think, are the first day downloads at this point. So that's pretty cool. We've also got the YouTube channel that's still catching up. But yeah, we've got three brand new questions for you. Maybe you'll find them relevant to your own life. And uh, I like this first one because I just downloaded a new audiobook. So I've had like audiobooks on the brain. So this first question is, uh, I attend college at a large university that is spread throughout a city. So I tend to walk between all my classes or take the bus if I need to. What are some ways that I can use this time to study or get some work done? You know, and that's why, like, that's why I said right, first so thing that came to my audiobook mind. Audiobook is one of your answers. Yeah, I did an ad for Audible on my. Well, I guess the last video that I made as we record this, the one on better sleep, and this often happens to me. Like, I'll do an ad for a company, and then like I use them, and I mean, I've been, I've been using on you. I've been using Audible for years, like since I was, I don't know, seventeen years old or something. But because they reached out and did that, I was like, maybe I should go look again and see what's on audiobooks. Because I've been trying to make myself read books on my iPad lately. Uh, but then I realized, like, I spend a lot of time driving and cooking and whatever. So I'm going to get a new audiobook, which I haven't done in a couple of months. And I'm currently going through the Everything Store, which is like the whole story about the rise of Amazon, which is actually pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. So audiobooks, definitely a way to do it. Podcasts as well. We've got this podcast. We've got Listen Money oh, yeah. Matters. This is a podcast. If you want to... If you want to increase your financial knowledge, uh, my favorite podcast, which is Hardcore History, absolutely amazing show. Um, and I've also been getting into the Joe Rogan podcast recently, and you probably don't know who he is, but he's a weird guy. He's like a he's like a fight commentator for UFC, but also a comedian, but also like his podcast is just conversations with anyone and everyone. Oh, yeah. I think you told me about this. Um, well, I think the episode, episode the episode I told you about, he had like that crazy conspiracy he, guy, yeah. Alex Jones, on there. Yeah. But then like recently he had Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, those are similar people. Yeah. And then he had like Philip DeFranco from the, the YouTube channel. Um, God, he's like, he's like everyone on his show. Huh. So he's just I think he's just like a guy who's really curious about everything and is willing to talk to pretty much anyone who has something interesting to say. And uh, I think it's a pretty good podcast, and obviously it's doing well, so that's probably the reason why. But yeah, so audiobooks, podcasts, um, there's also productive meditation, and this is a concept that Cal Newport talked about in his book, Deep Work, but I think this is this is something a lot of people do, and it's just like deliberately think through problems you're working on or any challenges you're trying to solve while you're walking to class, and I actually find this sometimes more helpful than sitting down and thinking deliberately while I'm, you know, sitting down in the context of working. Yeah. Like I wrote half of the last video in my head while I was out on a run because I don't know when you're getting out there, when you're, you're physically active, like you get your brain into a different context, different frame of mind, and you come up with better ideas sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. When I'm scheduling out my workday, if I have something I need to think about, I'll just deliberately say, go think about stuff while walking or longboarding or biking or something, because it's way better than thinking about it sitting down in my room. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to be honest. Those are the only two bullet points that I had written down for this. Oh yeah. Like I had a third one, but it's kind of like a not bullet point because my third one was like, maybe, maybe don't 
get work done when you're walking through the city. I mean, I like we're all about productivity on this podcast, but isn't there something to just being present and enjoying your walk and not getting hit by a bus? Yeah. And well, I don't know, just enjoying that one's especially useful. All the sounds and everything. But being present minded, that's that's like unproductive meditation. You're just intaking and existing and being calm. Yeah. That's a pretty dope way to spend a walk. That's what I do a lot mm-hmm. when I'm not trying to solve a problem. And um, I guess if you're on a bus, like you have more options because you could actually pull a book out or you could yeah. pull your Nintendo like, Switch uh, out. <laughs> or like Anki. You could be doing some vocabulary oh, yeah. reviews on Anki or Memorize if you're foreign language studying. Yeah, I think or if you're on else. a bus, you have less of a chance of getting hit by a bus. So yeah. in that case, sure, look at your phone. You can get any sort of like Anki or um, what are the other apps we what was it? Tiny Cards? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, one? the Duolingo run one? Yeah, that's the one. Duolingo, yeah. And you could do Duolingo itself. So yeah. if you have any sort of like review apps on your phone or you could read a book or something, you know, there's a lot of things you could do on a bus. Uh, but if you're walking to class, I would say audiobooks and podcasts, um, maybe like if you need to do business calls like I do, you could call people <laughs> on your oh. phone and talk. Like I've done I that before. You can do that. If it's not a windy day, I've actually gone outside and went for a walk during like a mastermind call before. Uh, but if it's windy, it gets really noisy for the other people. So I yeah. want to pay attention to their their needs when I'm doing that. But otherwise, just be present. Enjoy the walk. You're getting exercise. That's still productive. Yeah. And uh, time to de-stress. Just 10 minutes to de-stress. If you're thinking about being productive all day, you might burn yourself out pretty quickly. Absolutely. So Strategic laziness. Yeah. It's all about taking a good manage, break. Manage your energy. Mm-hmm. The other thing you could think about is, you know, if you want to get to where you're going faster, get a bike or a skateboard or something, and then maybe you have an extra 10 minutes or so at class where you could do something at the desk. Yeah. That's another idea. But yeah, those are some ideas there. So the second question is, uh, I have exams coming up in a few months, and I'd really like to get ahead on preparing, but I feel like I'm wasting time preparing now as I won't remember anything by the time the exams come around. So do you have any advice on how to get ready for your exams early? And my initial thought here is like, if you're in a class that's structured well, shouldn't the work be preparing you for the exam along the way? Yeah, if the class is structured in the way that it probably should be, yeah, doing paying attention to the homework, paying attention to the lectures, and actually learning what it is rather than just skating by with whatever minimum listening you can do, mm-hmm. that's kind of already studying early yeah now if, if the question is like i'm a month out from finals or i'm three weeks out then we can get into all right now it's time to start setting up like a final exam prep schedule maybe you can actually figure out some spaced repetition intervals for reviewing yeah maybe if you have really a study spaced guide. repetition is a i mean that's the best way if you have something very specific mm-hmm. that you think you'll forget you have plenty of spaced repetition cycles to get you through so that you might have it memorized by the time the exam comes around yeah and I think I interrupted you. Were you going to say something else? No, no okay. just the space repetition. Yeah. So if you're a few months out, like the thing is, you may want to prepare and you may want to get ahead of the game at a surface level, but your brain actually doesn't really consider that information all that important because it is delayed by quite a bit in when you're going to need it. And that's kind of how our brains work. There's like this, uh, and I forget the term right now, but the further off you're going to need something or the further off a reward is going to come, the less importance that your brain puts on it because we are programmed to be here and now creatures, which was important for most of human existence. Yeah. Um, 
And now you just, you have to live with that biology. So you can certainly try to create like a schedule where you're reviewing things um, to take advantage of the spacing effect. But I think that the most prudent thing to do is just to make sure that you are absolutely crushing it on the work you have to do now, because that is going to be important to you. Your brain's going to encode it better. And then it should provide a solid base for you to review when you get a little bit closer to those exams. Boom. We're just trucking through stuff in this podcast. Oh, yeah. I feel like this is going to be the shortest podcast ever, but maybe not. I don't I know. I think it's that thirst for Hyrule. <laughs> it seriously is. I can't do it, Martin. I can't think of that. I was sitting there in the coffee shop this morning and I was like, I need to write a video, but, but Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult. See, this is the risk you run. And actually, so this isn't a question on this week's podcast, but I had somebody email me like probably over a year ago and they were asking me like, how do you productively play video games when you're a busy college student? And my answer at the time was like, why don't you just pick games that don't suck you in? for hours at a time. And that answer came easily because I am not the kind of person who tends to get sucked into long, you know, huge games like this. But now, yeah. because of this one, like, I think I can double down to that answer because, yeah, my mind is like literally distracted like crazy right That's now. Not a great game for productivity. And yeah, and like take Overwatch, for example, or, you know, Team Fortress 2 or any like game where you can jump in, play a few rounds and get done. That game never distracts me when I'm working because I basically know the experience I'm going to have and I know it's going to be fun, but it's really easy to say, okay, I'm going to do that later and I'm going to do my work now. Yeah. But like Zelda is a game that kind of gets its hooks in you. And I've just been like thinking about it, you know, your brain is half in that world. You're living two lives right now. Yeah. So I'm not saying you should not play big adventure games when you're in college, but like if you do have a problem with video games, and you find that it is a distraction, that is probably something to think about. Yeah. Like the selection of games, it would be the same thing as like getting involved in like a really, really good novel. It's like a thousand pages. Like the wise man's fear basically stopped me in yeah. my tracks when I came to work for a few days. Yeah. Because I was like, this is a thousand page book and I'm, I don't want to do anything else right now. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could probably dedicate like I'm going to play these short, easy games throughout most of the week when I'm busy, but say Saturday or something, I'm going to, I'm going to put like a billion hours yeah. in this big game. Or actually last night, because I wanted to go to bed at a decent time and Zelda has ruined my sleeping schedule, mm -hmm. my, my strategy last night was that I had been playing Zelda for a bit and then I noticed it was starting to get late and that I knew that if I chased that one thing I wanted to do in Zelda, <laughs> it was going to turn into like 30 things and take four hours. Yep. So then... I switched games, still playing games. I switched over to Fast RMX, just a racing F-Zero kind of game on the Switch, which is, that kind of wound me down a little bit and took me out of the Zelda world so that I could pay attention to what time it was. It's kind of funny that a game where you're in like a jet hover car going yeah, a zillion miles me an down hour a wounds, winds you down, relaxes you. Yeah, and, what the, I do and the relaxing you know? adventure game is the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Why not play Snipper Clips? But that yeah, seems relaxing. I mean, maybe you could, uh, maybe you could do all your work first, then play mm -hmm. that game. But then, if it's getting too late or something, or you have something coming up and you know you're not going to pay attention, switch to a different game. That way, you're still rewarding yourself with game. But certain yeah. games are easier to pull out of. Yeah, that's true. Because the immediate thought when I said like maybe you should select games that don't suck you in is like, well, can't you be a productive person and still allow yourself to play the kind of games you want to play? 
And I guess what you have to do is just structure your time so that you let yourself get sucked in, but only at times when it doesn't matter. Yeah. And maybe just doing it on the weekend is the answer, you know, maybe, maybe like you can only do it on like from Friday night to Saturday. So that Sunday is like a gap day. Cause I know like I played Zelda all Sunday and then I woke up on Monday and I was like, mm. oh yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, so you maybe need a little bit of space <laughs> so that you can get back out of the game world and think about the real world. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think I think having space is a good idea because when you're like forced to stop, but you haven't had like time to choose to stop and to kind of like ease out of it, then it can be frustrating. And I think that may be one of the things that leads to being distracted all day long. Well, that's what I mean. Like something like that. You, you end up going to sleep at one thirty, two o'clock. I have been a couple of nights <laughs> just on accident. And when you're like, well, I'm so exhausted and I don't want to quit, but I guess I'll quit. It do, It's not the same as if you were going to say, OK, I've got two or three hours left in the day. I'm going to play another hour. I'm going to switch over to something that gets me out of it. And then two hours, I'm I'm way out. I'm ready to sleep. I'm fine now. Yeah. Yeah, that makes Your sense. Your night actually feels like you completed it as opposed to it was interrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think like, yeah, completing something and like being the one who chooses to complete it definitely helps. Yeah. Cool. So this last question relates to how we read and then highlight our books. So the question is, having just watched the How to Be Lazy and Still Get Stuff Done video, I'm interested in the sticky labels that I saw in your Mind for Numbers book. I want to get back into reading physical books. So is there a process that you use to label the relevant sections or highlight? And what about highlighting and taking notes in the book itself without using those little book flags? Also, what about eBooks? So I take this question to be, what is our general process for highlighting books, both digital and physical? Yeah, and with a bonus, you use sticky colored labels, right? Are they colored? Yes. I, I don't think I've seen Yeah, them. I think they're just called book flags. Let me look. Uh, yeah, um, I don't have a lot of experience uh, labeling physical books because I've, I haven't read a lot of physical books in the last couple of years. Really? Well, my nerve injury that I'm... Oh, I'm that's more, right. I'm more or less fine-ish now, but for a while I couldn't actually hold a physical book and read it very well, especially if it was big. Yeah, that's true. So, so you've just been doing stuff on like your, I've been, I've been reading um, Kindle books. your Kindle, right? Yeah. Yeah, so if you search Post-it flags um, on Amazon or anywhere else that sells things like this, you can get them at Walmart too. They're just like these little semi-transparent colored plastic tabs and one side is sticky. So I use these instead of highlighting my books because I can make them stick a little bit out of the pages. So that way when the book is closed, I can kind of see everywhere where I've marked a passage. Oh, yeah. And I got that idea from your friend Will, actually, because he did that with a lot of his books. Oh, yeah. He totally lent me a book and it had flags all through it. Just tons of flags. Yeah. The only problem I run into with that is I will read certain books where like everything is interesting. So I'll have a zillion flags. Um, and I haven't done this myself, but because there are multiple colors, you could do something where like maybe a green flag is just an important key takeaway. And then like a yellow flag is a really good quote that you want to remember word for word or something like that. Like you could, oh, yeah. you could like categorize your flags in terms of the content that it's highlighting, which might be useful. That's cool. Um, the one thing I will note is this is something that Marty Lobdell talked about in his study less study smart lecture, which is the, the lecture that I um, summarized on my channel. The thing about highlighting is that highlighting can lead you down a road where you start to mistake your recollection with recognition so if it's and i think this is less important for like books you read for fun 
because it might not matter that you can recall things immediately. But like if you're reading a textbook and you need to remember some stuff for a test, a lot of people will highlight everything they think is important. And then when they're going through and studying, they'll see what they highlighted. They will recognize that they highlighted it and they will recognize that they thought it was important, but then they may forget to actually challenge themselves to recall that material from memory. So it's they're taking they're taking good notes essentially, but they're not actually studying them. Well, it's it's not even that they're good notes because. Um, oh yeah, I guess you good don't have the notes. Part of like if notes. you have given a source, a good set of notes is something that summarizes and picks out the most important stuff. But just like a map that is the same exact size that the territory it represents is not useful because it would literally cover the whole entire territory, like notes that are even half of what the, the source is, it's too much. Yeah. You know, because you're just at that point, you're almost looking at the textbook again. And I've seen people who like have almost everything highlighted in their textbook. Like that's not useful to you because at that point, the only thing that really sticks out is the stuff that isn't highlighted, which yeah. is like the most unimportant stuff. Yeah. You've got to do like an 80, 20 and pull the most important stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've even with the books I read for like fun, quote unquote, or just like for work, I have to be a little discerning about what I highlight. And actually, recently, I've been reading more on my iPad because I really like iBooks and I really like the highlighting system. I can just put my finger somewhere and drag and I have a highlight. And then what I really love is that you have a section for each book where it just gives you a list of all your highlights. So like for deep work, I've got just a list of, I don't know, 50 or 60 highlighted passages that I can go right back to the part in the book where I was, I was reading. And that's really helpful. But again, if I do too much, which I am, I am want to do, uh, it gets a little overwhelming and I can't find what I was looking for anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I would just say, like, try to be discerning with what you highlight. And, you know, maybe like maybe you're reading a chapter in a book where there's a main statement that is put, you know, that is put up front. That's like the main idea. And then they go through like four or five case studies and they kind of reiterate the same point again and again, but with different wordings. Well, the first time you're reading that, all those different wordings can seem insightful because they're saying things in a different way or they're connecting it to a different story and you might want to highlight them all. But when you really distill it afterwards, you can kind of realize that, you know what, I think this was just reinforcing this earlier point. So maybe I'm just going to highlight the initial point and if this case study is just saying the same thing, I'll just, I'll read it and I'll let it reinforce the point, but I'm not going to highlight it for later review. But if it is highlighting something that is new or important as like a, something to bolster the main point or like a caveat or something like that, then you can highlight that as well. Yeah. That's more or less exactly what I'm doing with nonfiction on my Kindle, mm -hmm. because I'll highlight a, I'll highlight a piece knowing that it only needs to be this piece, like one, one or two good sentences. That's the point. Mm -hmm. And then if I need to read the other stuff, I can just click that highlight and it'll bring me right back. I'll just read the section again. Yeah. But you can go on, you can check actually in your web browser and I don't remember the URL, but I'll probably put it up in the show notes if it's a universal URL, but you can look at all your Kindle highlights across all books. Oh, that's nice. So I can go to it right now and I could go to whatever nonfiction I read last and just read through more or less my own cliff notes. That's cool. And it has links. To, it's like, this is what page it's on. And you can add notes. So this one has a note that I specifically related to me. But if you highlight all of it, then it's not it's not useful. 
What what device are you reading on? Is I it, read on my Kindle. Is it like a Kindle Paperwhite or yeah? So yeah. it's like got the I love papery the, screen. I love the like digital ink thing. Can you type on that? Yes. So it's not very fast. It's not nearly as responsive because it's it's just not designed to be. Yeah. But I can take rudimentary notes. And actually, if you log into the browser, you can edit the notes there. So if I want to That's type something nice. really long, then I'll just highlight it and then go to the browser and then say, here's a bunch of stuff I thought about this. And it's, That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I love that I can check it in the browser. I was about to get jealous of you because I use iBooks, but I just realized that iBooks is on the Mac. So I can just open the program oh, yeah. and all my stuff yeah. is there. So I basically have the same thing. I yeah, just can't access it same. on my Windows computer. I just like the digital ink, so I prefer yeah. Kindles. Yeah, that is nice. Um, one thing I actually do, because I will highlight a good amount of stuff when I'm reading a book, but one thing I'll do is, not for every highlight, but if I get an idea, I will tap the highlight and you can add a note to your highlight. Yeah. So I'm reading through Influence the Psychology of Persuasion right now, and you know, say I'm reading about like social proof, and there's a you know something from a scientific study or case study, I'll highlight it, but then I can be like, boom, this would be useful to think about when I'm creating a sales page for a product in the future, or maybe even when I'm thinking about like pitching a speaking client, or even when I'm crafting the the way I'm going to write a script in a video. If I want to be persuasive about this particular practice, maybe say that, you know, this famous person and this famous person used it to give it some more credence. Yeah. So if you can connect whatever you're reading about to something you already think about or something you've already done, that will further serve to bolster your memory of what you read about. Yeah. On um, the other thing that I used to do, I haven't done this in a while because it was very labor intensive, but if you truly want to really encode that information that you that you learn from the books you're reading, when you finish a chapter or a reading session, go back through what you just read and write some notes. And you could write in the margins of your book if you wanted to, but the way I always did it was I just had a note in Evernote for that book and I would just create a bullet list of like the key highlights. Yeah. So I've got, and I've got like a huge one for the power of habit. I've got a big one for, um, oh, what's it called? How to win friends, influence people. I think yeah. I have one for that. And then I have one for another book that I can't remember at the moment, but it does take a lot of extra time. And as somebody who already has a very packed schedule, I find it like difficult to summon the discipline to always do that. But it is a very good way to learn what you're reading well. Because if you just gloss over what you're reading, then you're not going to remember most of it. Yeah. So yeah, those are some ideas. Hopefully that helps. And we'll, you know, you'll probably be able to find that URL thing, right? Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a generic one. At the least, I could probably say how to get to it. I'm just not sure if it's like a nonsense URL based on my personal username or something. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find I'm sure there's something we'll find the instructions at least to get to yeah. it. If you happen to have a Kindle, if you have iBooks, you can just go to your highlight section in the app on your Mac or on your iPad or even your iPhone, which is pretty nice. That's what I prefer. And uh, that actually might be a good way to do it. You know, rather than doing an Evernote, you could go through your highlights after you finish reading a chapter and just add notes to each one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That could be something else well. in one place. And, you know, there was one thing I forgot. There was one time where we were talking about a podcast idea or a video idea or something. There was a quote that I wanted to look for. Mm -hmm. And because I knew that I had highlighted this quote and I didn't know what book it was in because all my highlights from every book are on one page, I could just search through it on the in the browser. That's pretty nice. And then it's like, oh, this is the book you were talking about, Martin. So that's pretty cool. Here we go. Okay. If I you're found, researching something that spans a lot of books. That I found uh, I found my book notes, full, my book notes notebook and Evernote. So I've got the power of habit. 
Um, I did how to win, win friends and in, in how to win friends. That's a word. <laughs> how to win friends and influence people. Well, probably by speaking eloquently and articulately. That'd be a good way to do it. To start sometimes. <laughs> uh, I did think smart a neuroscientist's prescription for improving your brain's performance. And I didn't finish that one. And then the other one that I was doing was a book called The Discoverers, which is an excellent history book, and I highly recommend it. Um, but I found that this one was this one was a little tough. And I think maybe this method of taking notes works better for certain books versus other kinds of books, because The Discoverers isn't really a book that argues for an idea or tries to teach you a specific topic. The Discoverers is like, here's the history of human ingenuity and inventions across all time, basically. Like it starts, not all time, but actually kind of all time, because it starts the development of the clock. Oh, back in, I don't know, like monk times, <laughs> back in medieval times, pretty much and even earlier than that. Um, and then it goes up through, well, the modern time as of when the author wrote it, which was the 80s. So the way I took notes on this one is I would just like put the date and I would put the pages I read and then I would take some notes. But I'm looking through here and it's like it's a lot of little details like pendulum isochronism, which is the swing duration defined by length of pendulum, not the width of the swing arc. So like you know? interesting stuff, but it's not really the main point that you. Yeah. And use the thing is, something. like, there there is no main point in that book. Yeah. It's like, not a lesson. This section I read talked about this guy named Ricci, who was like a Jesuit missionary who learned about clocks, talked about springs, talked about um why the chinese wanted clocks which was not for keeping time it was because they thought they were cool antique amusing toys and stuff like that hmm. like there was all these it's just all this like history and i suppose if i had been studying for a test then there would have been some incentive to go back and review each of these sections but i wasn't i was just reading it for fun yeah and in that case maybe it's not the best use of my time to be writing like these super detailed notes about stuff because my brain doesn't know what's important. It's just like, it's cool to learn and maybe it would be better off for me to just like learn it by reading and then make connections throughout the course of my life later on. Yeah. And you're going to remember watching a movie or something. Yeah. And I'm looking through all this stuff and like, I don't remember most of it to be honest, because a lot of it's just like, it's fact after fact after fact. Yeah, you don't really know which facts are going to stick in your head if you're just reading for fun. You don't know which ones are going to be important or mm -hmm. reinforce themselves. Though, so now I'm looking through it, and so this January 19th section here, I can see that it's talking about how, like, the Mongols, like, raised the Iron Curtain, which was, like, the Muslims basically preventing the Western traders from uh, at least cheaply going through the Middle East to trade with China. And mm -hmm. having listened to the hardcore history series on the mongols like twice or three times now i'm like yes i know that very well yeah because, because now i've exposed myself something. yeah and i've exposed myself to two different sources on that topic which is pretty cool but then in other things in here i'm like mm, i remember that i read it but it's not really like i couldn't recall it if you asked me you know who's who is the portuguese sailor who first circumnavigated the african coast or that's not the right term who first navigated the african southern coast like i don't know no yeah. clue i don't know but for a book like The Power of Habit, each chapter is about an idea. Chapter one is about the habit loop. Chapter two is about um, anticipation and craving. Chapter three is about replacing the routine of a habit, you know, so on and so forth. So with that, there's a main idea. And then most of the details in the chapter, you don't have to remember each little individual tiny thing. 
all you got to remember is like, this is why the main idea is what it is. And everything else is kind of serving to prop up that main idea. Yeah. So that I found was much more uh, useful to write notes on. Because now if someone's like, you know, why does a keystone habit work so well? Or why is it important to replace the routine? I can think back and be like, oh, yeah, I remember about, you know, that one coach who, you know, coached for the Colts and the Bucks and what he did and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you can find something you can highlight mm -hmm. that seems to stand for like five other things you might want to highlight. Yeah. That's the superior highlight. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe if you're just reading a four font history book, don't spend hours and hours taking notes unless you really want to. Yeah. Um, but if you're reading a book where you think like these are ideas that I can use in my life, then taking notes might be a much more worthwhile use of your time. Cool. Boom. All right, so that is one podcast for the day down. This is episode 152, meaning you can find the show notes for this episode over at CIGpodcast.com slash 152. And in those show notes, we'll have links, including the link to, if you have a Kindle, find your notes in the URL in the browser. And uh, we'll link to those books that I talked about as well. And other than that, if you want to find our favorite resources for improving your college experience or your experience, regardless of what educational level you're at, you'll find all of our favorite tools for managing your day, becoming more productive, learning more externally outside of class, all that kind of stuff over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. So check that page out if you're curious. And other than that, we will see you in next week's episode. Thank you.